This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for creating a blog, website, portfolio, or an online store. To create your own space, visit squarespace.com and save 10% by using offer code TREK7. And by TrekFan. It's not just a fan club, it's an adventure. You'll explore new places, learn new things, and collaborate with other fans to solve puzzles, complete real-life mission objectives, and win great prizes. Don't miss out. Help us move toward that Star Trek future by visiting trekfan.org. Plus, if you'd like to support our programming personally, visit trek.fm slash donate to get our new alien badges featuring original illustration by Tobu Ushi. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Warp 5, our dedicated Star Trek Enterprise podcast. I'm Christopher Jones, and joining me once again this week from that land down under, it is Kate Walsh. Hey, Kate, how are you doing today? I'm well, thanks, Chris. And you? I'm doing pretty well. We're recording in the daytime this week. No late nights for us. I know. Um, my uh, my mind feels so much more alert at this time of day, so no doubt this <laughs> is going to be a brilliant episode. Same for me, same for me. You know, yesterday on Twitter, I noticed that you tweeted that you were watching Enterprise. And were you watching some episodes to prepare for today's show? Or were you watching some of your favorite episodes? Oh, well, I I was actually watching to prepare for today's show, which is why I couldn't be specific about what episodes (laughs) I was watching. (laughs) All right, very vague. Well, let's find out what those episodes are. Now, this week, we've had some people on Twitter ask us, what episodes do you recommend? You know, I'm, I'm watching Enterprise for the first time or I'm going to do a rewatch. It's been a while since I've seen the show. Which episodes do you recommend? Which ones best capture the spirit of Enterprise? And so we thought that this week we would present a sampling of episodes that we feel best capture the concept of the show, the spirit of Enterprise, and are good episodes for you to sample if you're going to jump around the series. So Kate, why don't you tell me it's time to lift the veil on the secret from yesterday? Why don't you tell me what is the first episode on your list? Well, it's a big moment I know this uh this reveal of uh, the first episode I'm going to recommend. Um and I'm going to start out of chronological order and suggest that one that I think is an amazing episode as a representation of Enterprise as a series is the episode Shuttle Pod 1. Okay, I considered choosing that and I decided not to. So tell me, why did you choose Shuttle Pod 1? I chose Shuttle Pod 1 because to me, this episode is a really simple concept. It's, you know, the, the A storyline of this episode is two guys in a shuttle pod thinking they're going to die on the one hand, 
hoping to all hope that uh, someone's going to come along and save them, running out of air. And the majority of the episode is looking at the interpersonal dynamic between two of the main characters. There's no bells and whistles. There's no big sci-fi event going on or uh, any bells and whistles on this episode. It's just down to human interaction and the kind of fear that these characters are going to feel um, when they're in a very vulnerable situation. And it's that vulnerability going into uh, deep space for the first time that that to me really encapsulated what Enterprise was about. So that's why I've chosen this episode. On a personal level, I also love a few things that come out of it. I like that we learn about Malcolm's nickname, Stinky. (laughs) I like that we learn that Trip wants to call his firstborn son Charles Tucker IV. Yeah. And I like the conversation where the two characters are drunk and talking about T'Pol's bum. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that that's a good moment. Indeed, yeah. Well, that's a good choice. I love that episode. It's actually one of my favorite Enterprise episodes. I didn't choose it for my list today just because uh, I looked for things that were a bit maybe broader for the series. But the character interaction is one of the great things about Enterprise. And of course, as you know, my favorite Star Trek series is Deep Space Nine. And one of the reasons I love Deep Space Nine is that it's all about the characters and it's about that character interaction. And that's something that carried through in concept from Deep Space Nine to Enterprise. And Shuttlepod 1 is a really, really great example of that. So very good episode there. Well, the other thing that we see with this episode, uh, and it's not emphasized so much in the other series, is that rivalry between uh, a North American and a European. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. you know, other than maybe Picard being, uh, you know, French and, uh, you know, Chakotay, uh, and his heritage, we don't really see a lot of those nationalities represented in Star Trek or really emphasized. So I like that interaction too. It's kind of fun. Right. I mean, we see nationalities emphasized mm. sometimes too much, you know, like in the case of Voyager, where I think they went a little bit overboard in trying to create this diversity of like every single character. But those characters don't actually have attachments to their nationalities anymore, no. right? They're just humans. And so in Enterprise, you would expect that that would still exist. And that's a good thing that, that that's in there. I agree. How about you, Chris? Um, what was your first one? Well, the first episode on my list is the second episode of the series, and it's Fight or Flight. And I like this episode because, you know, for me, the foundation of Enterprise is really the unknown. And I think it was really hard for fans to accept coming off of TNG and DS9 Voyager, it was kind of hard for fans to accept that all that fancy 24th century technology was gone and the massive Federation database was gone and everything was new again. But, you know, Enterprise is truly about going out into the unknown for the first time. And yeah, of course, there had been cargo ships. You know, we learned like Travis was a boomer and he was born on the horizon. And so humans had been out there but they had never really gone out to explore the depths of space in the way that the NX-01 was doing. And so I think that Fight or Flight does a really good job of capturing both the naivety and the fear that humans would experience the first time that they go out there. You know, Hoshi's really uncertain of herself. She's got these, you know, petty concerns about being bothered by the direction that the stars are passing by her window and it's making her space sick and... You get to see 
uh, flocks enjoying. He's taste testing different foods in the mess hall. It's kind of fun. And there's that conversation between flocks and Hoshi, of course, about trying new things and being uncomfortable and being uncertain. And are you going to play it safe or are you going to take a chance? And that's all in here. And I think that's nice. I think that conversation between Flocks and Hoshi is a little bit transparent. You know, you can see mm-hmm. very easily see right through it. So I'm not sure that it's written as well as it could have been written, but it's still really good. And it's a nice message. It conveys the message of Enterprise. So that's really nice. And, you know, where they go on that Axanar ship and they find those bodies strung upside down, this fluid is being drained out of them. It's really frightening. It's, of course, Brandon's horror touch to Enterprise mm-hmm. right there in the beginning. But it's really scary. And it's what space is, I think. It's kind of like Archer and the crew, they thought they were going to go out into space and, and everything was going to be really cool and exciting and and everyone is going to be friendly you know we're kind of taught these days that whenever we do meet aliens of course they're going to be benevolent because they're going to be so far advanced of us and Mm. and i don't think that's really necessarily going to be the case and fight or flight really shows that that very well and we get to see another few nice touches like malcolm trying to get the primitive weapons of the nx01 to work He's going to do target <laughs> practice. Archer says, let's go find some stuff for Malcolm to blow up. And you get Archer griping about to pull in his logs, which is which is nice as well. And, you know, Archer's final log entry in the episode where he says that they spent some time with the Axanar and it turns out they're androgynous and they live over 400 years. And it was just kind of like that bright-eyed wonder that we've talked about here on the show before. That was something really new to Archer. So... Fight or flight, an episode I think really captures the spirit of Enterprise very well. There's so many great things in that episode. Uh, I love as well that we see uh, a little bit of the difference between Vulcans and humans and how they would have approached that situation in the first place and then how they would have reacted once they realised that these people were dead. Um, so I think it, it, it offers a, a number of really interesting points. And don't forget, this is actually where they have their first contact with a new species Mm -hmm. um, going out in space being Sluggo. (laughs) That's right. Sluggo. That's not related to (laughs) Sluggo Cola that the Ferengi like to drink, right? I I was very close to picking that episode as well. But uh, I talk about it all the time because I just love it so much. It is a good one. Well, what's next on your list? Next on my list, I chose because a little bit because I like the the kind of horror elements that we see in Enterprise, which is I think is actually quite unique. And the more I watch this series, the more I see that as present in quite a few episodes. Uh, and so this episode that I've chosen is Regeneration, which okay. of course is our Borg episode. Controversial episode, yes. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, it was. No, it's a controversial episode amongst the fan base, the broader fan base. Because what are the Borg doing on Enterprise, they say? Well, I guess you'd have to watch the episode to find out what they're doing on Enterprise. <laughs> well, I, I think people have seen the episode if they're listening to the show. But uh, but I, I like that episode too. I think it actually works. It's It's the one case where they brought in a race from TNG 
where it made sense because it it's sort of a I mean the timeline gets all convoluted, but it's it's sort yeah. of a prequel to Q Who, the best of both worlds, slash sequel to First Contact. So it it works on the timeline. I mean I'm I know I know I can understand why people might have had some issues with it, particularly with regards to the timeline. But I tend to take things more on on face value unless there's glaringly obvious issues. But I like this episode. I think it's uniquely Enterprise in the sense that you could only do this in Enterprise. It provides a great tie-in with first contact. Uh, it, As I said, it, it, it's got that horror feel to it. You're watching the Borg move around the ship. And I, I mentioned this in terms of the Sulaban last week. Uh, but it, 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 once again, it reminded me of watching some of the um, the Alien movies, um, and, and that's what the Borg felt like as we were watching them, um, and you know, waiting for them to assimilate the crew, and uh, and that's a tone that I don't see really in any other Star Trek series. Um, I it, it's not one hundred percent in terms of its neatness, in terms of tying in with Next Gen in the movie, but it was nice to explore that you know, creatively to think, well, you know, what did happen to that sphere and um, and, and how, how can that, how can we explore that? So I enjoy the episode. So that's why I've chosen it. Well, it's a point on the timeline where the Borg are unknown again. You know, the reason the mm. Borg worked well in Q Who and the Best of Both Worlds is that they were this kind of faceless, relentless enemy that was coming at you. And by the time you get to the late Voyager, the Borg mm. have been defanged to the point where they're they're not really threatening anymore. I mean, the fact that Voyager itself can stand up to hundreds of Borg cubes, just, it doesn't make any sense for the Borg race. And so here they're unknown again, and our yeah. heroes don't have the technology of the 24th century either. And... It, it's it works in this case, so so I really like that episode as well. We get to take a fresh look at them, you know, through new eyes, and and yeah. that opening sequence uh, with the crew finding them in the ice. Uh, there's so much tension in that, so yeah, it, it's nice to for them not to be negotiating with them. <laughs> <laughs> right, I think it's a good entry point for fans to Enterprise if they're really unsure about the series. It's an episode you can point to and you can say, well, go watch this because you're familiar with some of the elements. Mm. And then maybe you can get in through regeneration. So that's a good one. Let's see. So next on my list, I'm actually going to go with the third episode of the series. Don't worry, not all of my episodes are from season one. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to go with Strange New World. And I like Strange New World because kind of the same reason I like Fight or Flight, it's once again that unknown. And I like Crewman Cutler. Well, I like Crewman Cutler, you know that. But I like when Crewman <laughs> Cutler is looking out the window and they're seeing the planet and they're like, wow, you know, it's just, the, again, it's that this is new to them. You know, no one ever says wow later on in Star Trek when they see a planet as they enter mm -hmm. orbit because they've been to so many planets. But here it's like, wow, it's something new. It's the first M-class planet that the, you know, first Earth-like planet that the crew explores. It uh, gives us, finally, we get to find out what M-class means because T'Pol explains that it's a Minshara-class planet. You know, before that, we just know what's M-class. 
Mm. What does that mean? I don't think the writers ever really knew what it meant either. So <laughs> <laughs> good job here <laughs> by Berman and Braga and, and Sussman and, and Phyllis Strong of, you know, filling that in for us. And there's that tug of war going on here. You know, T'Pol wants to send out probes and explore the planet for a week. Trip and Archer, they want to go down and they want to just explore things. I, I think it really sets up the human spirit, the tone of the human spirit for the series. That look, we're humans. From our earliest times, we've always been about exploring, whether it's our own planet, whether it's our solar system, or now it's deep space. I think it sets the tone of the series really well. I love seeing the crew land on a planet for the first time. They come out of the shuttle. They've got their baseball caps on. Porthos is running across a field. <laughs> you know, it's such a stark contrast to what Picard's crew or Janeway's crew would have been doing. when And they, they stop for a photo, too. And they take a picture. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And and so it's it's great. And the planet itself is a really nice nod to later in Star Trek because the planet is Archer 4. And if you remember in yesterday's Enterprise, Archer 4 is the planet that the Enterprise was setting course for after they investigated that radiation anomaly, which mm. in the alternate timeline, of course, led to the whole Klingon Federation war. And Archer 4 is the site of a battle in the Federation Klingon war. You know, the, the Kling, there's that scene where the, the Klingons come in uncloaked and Riker says, wow, you know, I can't believe their, their audacity as they come in uncloaked after that pasting we gave them at Archer 4, he says. <laughs> yeah. So there's a nice little connection there. Uh, later on. And of course, this planet eventually becomes part of the United Federation of Planets. So so that's cool. And also just the fact that the crew is being affected by pollen on this planet. And Archer feels like, oh, it's a new planet. Uh, sure, we could just beam down. Nothing's going to go wrong. It looks like a nice place. It's sunny. It's a nice field for Porthos to play in. But yet <laughs> there's this pollen that's causing them to have paranoia and hallucinations. And if this happened later on in Star Trek, it would just be kind of a ho-hum thing. And of mm. course, you know, Dr. Crusher or Bashir or whoever would just, you know, psh, give them a little injection, everything would be fine. But here they don't know what's going on. They don't know how to deal with it. It almost ends up with them killing each other. And at this point in time, it's that newness. It's that they're, they're slowly learning that we can't just charge into everything. Yeah. And pollen, you would think, is quite a benign thing. You know, it's not some uh, war race down there trying to kill them. Uh, it, it, it's just a part of the environment. Um, and, yeah, you wouldn't think going in that that could cause any problems. That they certainly right. that would have been the last but, thing they would have been expecting. But from this point forward, Starfleet mandates that space Benadryl be carried on every starship. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we also get to see a transporter accident in this episode, which is kind of cool because oh, you know they're they're still scared of the transporters at this point. They have to use it. The guy comes up, the leaves all stuck in him and everything. So that was And that's cool really well. cool that that we get to see technology kind of failing. Yeah. It's something that we've taken for granted in all of the other series. So yeah. And failing just because it doesn't work yet, not failing because they need it to fail in order to set up the plot of the story. Yeah. Because later yeah. on when stuff fails, it's always because they need to create a crisis so that the story mm. can progress. Here it just doesn't work yet. Well, what's next on your list, Kate? Okay, next on my list is First Flight. Ah, I have this one and also. 
Yeah, I um, I've chosen this for a number of reasons. First up, I chose it because it seemed to me that it enabled. We got to look historically at what had happened with the program, but it also seemed to represent that original creative vision of the writers exactly. of going back, spending time on Earth and looking at the development of the NX program. Yeah. Uh, and so it's nice that they got the chance to do that, if only for one episode, but it was really good to see that uh, and to look at Starfleet before it was really Starfleet, uh, to look at those interactions with the Vulcans where they are actually being held back as opposed to the pilot where uh, there's a little bit of resistance but, you know, we prevail anyway and we go off into space. So it was nice to see some more of that tension. It was nice to see the, the recruitment process that of uh, Archer um, eventually getting to his position. Um, it was just nice to get a bit of context. And I appreciate that even though, as we've heard, the studio didn't really want to go that far back in terms of a prequel that we do eventually get the chance to see right. that and know that this is really where the writer's hearts were. Yeah. So um, that's a really good thing about this episode. The other thing I do like on a character level is we get to learn a little bit about Archer and seeing the differences in his style over the years. In this episode, he is very much a play-by-the-rules kind of character. And he learns that in order to be a good captain, he can't always play it safe, that there's not always going to be someone there to look out for him and protect him, that he's going to have to take some risks. And that brings us back to the archer that we see um, more so in the pilot and then as we go on and we see his journey. And he, he becomes quite a risk taker as we move forward. So it's nice to see that tied together and, and to look at what's actually brought him to that point. Definitely. Yeah, I have this episode on my list as well for the same reasons that you do. And we did this on the Ready Room quite a long time ago. And we said exactly what you said, that it it shows the concept of the show, I think, that Rick and Brandon had that the studio didn't want to do. And it gives you that glimpse of what Enterprise could have been mm-hmm. if they had been able to carry out that first season being about the development of the Warp 5 engine. So so it's really nice. And also we get to see how Archer and Trip met. And we get to see, you know, how mm-hmm. Archer chose Trip to be his engineer. There's uh, some other nods to Star Trek in here. You know, Trip talks about Captain Jeffries at one point. And, and of course, all Star Trek fans know that all the little crawl spaces on the ships are called the Jeffries tubes. And so that's Captain Jeffries here. And here his name is attached to the NX program. So that helps to kind of solidify his role along the way at the development of of the ships. It's also the first time on the timeline that we see anyone with the rank of Commodore. And, Mm. you know, Commodore is a rank that we never see in the modern Star Trek series. TNG, DS9, Voyager. I can't think of them ever mentioning anyone with the rank of Commodore, we certainly don't see anyone who is a Commodore that I can remember. Maybe on season one TNG, but I don't think even there it comes mm. up. It's 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 a TOS thing and an animated series thing, and of course a TOS movie thing. And and so that's kind of cool just for us Star Trek fans who, you know, grew up with TOS and and watched everything forward. At this point on the timeline, Admiral Forrest is Commodore Forrest. And and that's kind of cool. And so, Kate, do you know do you know where a Commodore is 
in the rank structure? No, I don't. Enlighten me, Chris. So you have a captain, and then you have a fleet captain. If you remember, Pike became fleet captain after he was a captain. After fleet captain, then you get a commodore. And Uh then you get a rear admiral, vice admiral, admiral, fleet admiral. So... That's how the ranks all play out. So, but it's interesting in TNG where they, they seem to promote people from captain directly to admiral. You know, they keep offering yeah. to make Picard an admiral. They do make Janeway an admiral. Mm-hmm. Riker is an admiral in the future timeline of all good things. So it's, it's like they just kind of got, got rid of those other ranks at some point. Although I think they do mention rear admirals and vice admirals in TNG though along the way so anyway that's kind of cool and also in the 602 club they they bridge that gap between our current time with nasa to the nx program because they have those patches all these nasa patches on the walls in the 602 club and they have paintings of all the different enterprises throughout history kind of the way they have ships of enterprises in picard's ready room and they have, and we get to see uh, a there. bit of Ruby as well, oh, we who was mentioned in Shuttle Pod One. Yeah, apparently Ruby gets around. I mean, she dated Trip, <laughs> she dated Malcolm. Go Ruby! <laughs> what is it that Malcolm says? He's known her more times than he can remember. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, Malcolm? <laughs> <laughs> and half of the women in San Francisco, apparently. Apparently, so that's right. Okay, well, let's see. Next on my list, I had first flight, so I'm going to jump ahead. I'm going all the way to the fourth season now, and it's actually a three-parter. I have Babel 1, United, and the ENR. And the reason that I have these episodes here is because apart from being boldly going for the first time, exploring the unknown for the first time, If Enterprise had another expected theme, I think it was to plant the seeds for the events that we know transpire later on down the timeline. And of course, one of those is the actual formation of the United Federation of Planets. And we know that Earth, Vulcan, Andoria, and Telar are the key founding members of the Federation. And we know in Enterprise that the Vulcans and the Andorians are basically on the brink of war all the time. We know that the Andorians don't care much for humans in the beginning either. And I feel like the Tellarites get kind of shortchanged in Enterprise mm. along the way. We don't really learn much about those until Manny Koto comes in and, and Judith and Garfield come in and they start really trying to flesh out that true TOS prequel side of the show. So I'm glad that before the series went off the air, they were able to address this topic of how humans and Vulcans and Andorians and Tellarites come together and start to, to lead towards the Federation. And of course, it's, it's a nice nod back to Journey to Babel on TOS. But even more than that, it sets up the Romulan interference. Mm. Mm. And... I think most fans wanted to see the Romulan War play out on Enterprise. And finally here, they're starting to plant those seeds of the Romulan conflict. You know, we we had Minefield early on, but it was just kind of like, hey, you know, the Romulans are around. And then we never went anywhere with that. And so here, 
you see here that the Romulans are getting nervous. You know, the Romulans are starting to see that humans and Vulcans and Andorians and Tellarites, mm. they're starting to work together, and that makes the Romulans nervous. And so the Romulans feel like we have to kind of intervene here a little bit. And Manny Koto, of course, has said that in season five, we were going to find out that T'Pol is half Romulan. And so they were really mm. planting those seeds here for some kind of great Romulan intrigue moving forward. And so I think that these three episodes together, they also capture the TOS prequel, Star Trek prequel spirit of the series. And they set up what would have been some really, really great storylines. Unfortunately, and here, I mean, you talk about pulling the rug out from under fans. They yeah. give us this really great story. But the middle part of the story, United, aired right after UPN officially announced that Enterprise had been canceled. So it's like, oh, man, you guys are setting up all this great stuff, and we know we're never going to find out where it's leading. Yeah, that's so disappointing. But I do think th this particular group of episodes offers so much to fans. It, it's, and it, adds, it just adds so much value to the franchise as a whole. Um, so, yeah, I think they're a great choice. I love the episode that E&R in and of itself is a standalone episode as well. Isn't it cool to find out that there's this complete other race living on Andoria? And I know, they're, that's so and awesome. they're white <laughs> and they're blind and they live in ice caves yeah. and they like telepathic type abilities. It, it's just, I love it when they can flesh out the Star Trek universe and they can give mm. us new things that don't violate anything that comes after. Yeah. And so it's it makes sense you know it fits in and it works it's really kind of cool i mean some fans might get upset and say well why didn't we ever hear about the enar later on if they were there the whole time but, well you know if we just we, we can't we hear see about andorians. everything can we i mean the only andorians we ever really see are you know journey to babel we have the fight in the corridor kirk mm. to the bridge i've been attacked by an Andorian, which of course has become a great running joke on the ready room. And, you know, we see like Star Trek four, we see Andorians in the council chamber, you know, in their maroon jackets. And you, you rarely ever see Andorians later on in Star Trek. Mm. I think there's a holographic Andorian on TNG at one point, which, which is really <laughs> weird, but it's just not much there. It, it, there is actually, because when Lol is trying to figure out what form she's going to take, you know, Data's mm. uh, daughter. They they start bringing up alien races in the holodeck, and there's an Andorian there. So, so so that's kind of cool. I like that about it. Well, my next choice was also from the fourth season, and it was an episode called Home. Okay, which was right one. near the start of the season, and it's uh, you know the whole Zindi things ended. They've gone back to Earth, and we really get the chance to look at uh, the consequences of that whole season three arc and their journey so far um, in going out into space and the things that they've encountered. The thing that I, I love about this episode is the exploration of Archer and his response to everything that's happened so far. We get to see how he had these uh, wide-eyed ex expectations of what it was going to be like going out into space, that innocence that we see early on in the first season, that everyone was going to be kind and enlightened 
and of course that wasn't their experience more so as we moved through into the third season and we really get to see his journey in coming to accept the reality of what space is and and the other races that they've encountered uh, and we see that through the contrast with the other captain and I just think it's a wonderful exploration of this side of of space travel. You know, when we look at the other series, particularly in the 24th century, we don't see that same degree of of conflict and danger. They're much more prepared. And so, you know, they've had time to adjust to this, whereas Archer didn't know what to expect going out there for the first time and was quite naive and... Um, we really get to see his devastation at, at seeing the reality of that and coming to accept it. Right. Yeah. You have those scenes between Archer and Hernandez and mm. Hernandez asks him, are you all right? And he says, I'm not even sure what all right is anymore. Right? Mm. He's just because the, the Zindi thing had changed him so much. And yeah. yeah. And he also tells Hernandez that things have changed since the Enterprise left Space Dock. You'll spend a lot of time boldly going into battle. Whether, you know, he had made recommendations on what to do on the Columbia and how to, you know, beef up its defenses a little bit yeah, and such. So it's good. And yeah, so I like the episode for those reasons as well. I also like the T'Pol trip stuff there. We get to see that, you know, where it's going, where it's leading a little bit. And, and it is kind of like that, that exhaling. It's basically Enterprise's family. If, you know, after mm. the best of both worlds on the next generation, they had family where they come back to earth and it's the same situation. They've they've had the Zindi arc and now they're going to take a deep breath and exhale before they continue on. We also get introduced to this idea of the xenophobia on Earth, which is not something that's present in the other series mm-hmm. um, to the same degree. Uh, and, yeah, we get to see humans that are flawed, you know, that have, uh, you know, essentially we're exploring racism, which is then looked at again later in season four towards the mm-hmm. end. Uh, and it, it just, it presents a more realistic view of uh, what it would have been like at the time as they're really encountering these new races for the first time and pushing back against what they perceive is uh, interference. Um, and there's a lot of fear there. And, and I think that that is handled very well. By Enterprise. Exactly. And that leads me to my final pick for the show today, and that's Demons and Terra Prime at the very end, the final two episodes mm. of Enterprise proper, because I don't consider these are the voyages to actually be the finale of the series. It's just kind of this extra episode of Star Trek. Mm. It's just tacked on mm. at the end. Uh, in fact, Kate, I know you didn't get to watch Enterprise in first run, I'm sure, in Australia. Terra Prime and These Are the Voyages came on together. They played Terra Prime and then These Are the Voyages came on right afterwards. So it really was like, here's the finale of Enterprise and here's our little Valentine. Mm. And I'm doing the air quotes on the on the screen right now to Star Trek that came on at the end. So, But Demons and Terra Prime, I think, again, captures the spirit of Enterprise because... By the 23rd century, and especially the 24th century, humans have become completely accustomed to having aliens running around San Francisco and elsewhere all over the planet. But you wouldn't expect that to be the case in the 22nd century, where we're still coming out of 
World War III and recovering, and we've had the Vulcans being really the only alien race that's around. Of course, you have Phlox there, you have the Denobulan exchange program, and so Phlox is there, but there aren't a lot of Denobulans running around Earth. It's just it's just him, as far as I know. Maybe there were a few others, but you wouldn't expect humans to be accustomed to all these aliens running around. And, and then the Zindi come, and the Zindi attack. And then we've had encounters with the Klingons, and you're hearing about the Zandorians, and you're hearing about all the other things that are happening to the NX-01 crew as they're out there in deep space. And so humans are starting to get a little gun-shy, starting to get a little bit nervous about this thing. Again, it's kind of like today, where if you, if you remember back to when Frank Drake broadcast the signal out into space, you know, it was the beginning of what we've come to know is the SETI program. It wasn't really a program mm-hmm. at that point, but you know, he broadcasts out there and people say, wait a minute, is this really a good idea? Should we be announcing the fact that we're here to people because aliens are going to find out we're here. They're going to come and they're going to take over earth. And I think that people had gotten used to the Vulcans being around and they felt like, okay, it's okay. It's cool. We'll go out there. We'll explore Oh crap! You know, Florida just got cut in half. Uh, we we almost got destroyed. They barely blew mm. up the real weapon as it was in orbit, and so they're gun shy. And I think that's a really cool aspect of Enterprise because it shows that realism it, that that's where we're going to be. That's that's what should yep. be happening at this point in time. And you know, we don't we never really got that on TNG. They kind of overdid the everybody's happy with everybody theme. On DS9, we got it. You know, we got uh, Miles really hated the Cardies, as he called them. Mm. Uh, in the TOS films, we got Kirk's animosity towards the Klingons. But we needed to feel that there were roadblocks to getting from where we are today and what we see in Broken Bow, where it's, hooray, you know, let's see what's out there. And then the actual Federation that we have in the later series. There has to be roadblocks. And... Mm. The, the whole Terra Prime movement, you know, John Paxton looking back at Colonel Green as well, the Zindi attacks, this whole xenophobic feeling that's overtaking certain segments of the population on Earth, this idea that we want Earth for Earthlings, we want the soul system for humans only, it needed to be there. And so mm. I, I love these two episodes. I actually tell people that it's kind of sad, actually, that the last two episodes of the series are two of the best episodes of the series and have yep. a great theme and have some of the best storytelling. And I wish, I really, really wish we could have seen what was going to happen beyond that. Because the ones I just picked, Babel One, United, the Enar, and Demons and Terra Prime are kind of, I mean, they kind of butt heads with each other, right? On the one hand, you've mm. got this union of races coming together to form the what would have been the coalition of planets at that point in time and would lead us to the federation and then you've got these people who want all the aliens to be gone yeah and it's that tension between um the bureaucracy in a sense uh if you're looking at the the federation and the people on the ground and that that tension between you know the different uh values and mindset uh and and the 
you know, the the general citizens, uh, you know, they they don't have the same information that the hierarchy are privileged to have, and uh, and there is a lot of fear there, and it's really nice to see that explored. And those two episodes that you've just mentioned, the writing in those episodes is brilliant. It's yeah, really, they, really they are a highlight for well me uh, in terms of the whole the whole show. So definitely worth a watch. Most definitely. So, Kate, that's everything on my list. Do you have anything else you want to throw out there before we wrap up today? I do have one more episode that I'd like to give an honourable mention to. I have discussed it a fair bit on the show so far, so I won't go into it too much, but it's the episode Dear Doctor from the first season. And I give this an honourable mention because it's one of the very early explorations of what will eventually become the Prime Directive. So... For people that haven't watched the show in a while or are brand new to Enterprise, it's an excellent episode that explores both uh, a moral dilemma for the crew, and it also looks a little bit about at, at um, you know the crew starting to come to terms with diversity as well. So there are some interesting themes there. Some of it's been done before, but in terms of looking at the Prime Directive for the first time, it's worth a watch. Yeah, it's one of my favorite episodes as well. I have a lot of favorite episodes from Enterprise. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Well, Kate, it's been a lot of fun talking about Enterprise, giving everyone our Enterprise sampler today, but that's not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM. So here's a quick look at what else you may have missed this week elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, The Orb. DS9 Season 2. I don't want characters to be driven by the plot of the show i want the show to be driven by the plot of the character the ready room the end degree and and i feel like he paved the way for neurotic starfleet character so we got hoshi in enterprise so i think we, we can uh, thank barkley for for allowing us to accept neurotic characters in starfleet decade the state of STO. I think we're going to see some Vidians in the game soon, so hide your organs, guys. Hide your organs. <laughs> to the journey! Tough love. Janeway is really tough on Harry in this episode. She orders him to break up with his girlfriend. Commentary, Trek stars. I am legend. It's it really also, doesn't. it also inexplicably, suddenly, in the middle of this thing that even in all of its versions, never had magic. Warp 5. The Suliban. We could have learnt so much more about the Suliban as a race, but we also probably could have learnt more about the Suliban cabal. Trek news and views. Voyager season seven. This is the thing. It's, it's, I know the Doctor is created in the image of Zimmerman, and Zimmerman's bold and blah blah blah. But surely to God, if you was created an alter ego of yourself, you would give yourself hair. Literary treks. Fool's gold. One flaw in Kira's plan here, though, she comes in, she grabs Quark by the collar, and she yanks him, and she's screaming at him. We know from past history on DS9 that when Kira does this, all it does is turn Quark on. That's true. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So everyone, check out these shows and get in on that daily dose of Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zoom, or you could even stream them from the website. We have many, many ways for you to catch our programming. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. Kate, 
I noticed in iTunes that we've had a little bit of feedback over the last week. What do we have this week? We have received a five-star review by someone in the US iTunes store. It goes by the name of JSM Fine Art. So thank you for that review. Um, this particular reviewer has um, given us quite a bit of feedback on their perspective on the various Star Trek series and has also made the wonderful comment to say that our show Warp 5 has inspired them to go back and look at Enterprise again and I'm really pleased to hear that. I hope that other people to give it another look uh, as they listen along with us with the show. So thank you for that feedback. Yeah, thanks so much. We received one other five-star review, this time in the UK store by a listener who goes by the name of Knight of the Realm. They've commented, I'm so glad to see a show dedicated to Star Trek Enterprise. I recommend it to anyone who wants to know more about the show. So thank you once again for that. It's great to receive both your feedback and for the the five-star review. It's much appreciated. Most definitely. We love hearing from everyone. So if you would like to leave us a star rating or a written review, please drop by the iTunes store and do that for us. It helps other Enterprise fans find the show in the mysterious rankings of the iTunes store. Although we have been fortunate to have been highlighted by Apple over the past couple of weeks right up there at the top of the podcast directory for TV and film and uh, even on the front page. So that's helping a lot of fans find the show as well. So we really appreciate your feedback. If you'd like to send us some other written feedback, you can do that by going to the website. Go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose Warp 5, and that will come to Kate and me by email. You can also join in the discussion on our forums at trek.fm slash forums, where you'll be able to talk with the rest of the Trek FM crew, with us, with other listeners. There's a section there for Enterprise and one for Warp 5. If you'd like to send us a voicemail, you can easily do that from any page on the website. Just look along the right-hand side. You'll see a tab there that says in voicemail. If you click that, a box will pop up and you can use your webcam's microphone to record a message and you can upload it to us as an mp3 file from right there on the site. And if you're on Facebook, look us up at facebook.com slash trekfm and you'll always find us tweeting away about Star Trek on Twitter under username trekfm. Now, Kate, what if people would like to look you up? Where should they go? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Kate is great okay. If you'd like to follow me, if you'd like to talk about the show, send me an at reply and I'll follow you back. Excellent. And if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Twitter as well. My username is C Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. You can also find me pretty much everywhere in social media under that username, as well as on my personal website, which is cbrianjones.com. And there you can catch some of my other non-Star Trek writing, look at some photos, find out what kind of music I like, whatever else you want to do. So uh, check that out if you're interested. You'll also find me elsewhere on the network every week with Matthew Rushing on The Orb, where we talk Deep Space Nine very much in the the same way we talked about Enterprise today. You'll also find me with Matt on Literary Treks, where we talk Star Trek books and comics. And you'll find me on The Ready Room every week with hosts from all across the network, as well as many diverse guests, where we talk not only about Enterprise, but the other four live action series as well. So check that out at trek.fm slash TRR for The Ready Room. Kate, before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsors as well. 
Your support of our sponsors is very important to allowing us to bring this programming to you every week. First, there's Squarespace, the web's best hosting and CMS that makes it simple for you to create a beautiful blog, a website, a portfolio, an online store, really anything else you can imagine. Create your own space today. I promise you're going to love it. I've been a Squarespace user for six years myself. I swear by Squarespace, and you will too. Just go to squarespace.com for your free 14-day trial, and then use offer code TREK7 to save 10% off your lifetime purchase on new accounts. And if you choose the annual package, you'll get a free custom domain registration as well. Also, please visit trekfan.org. Now, I love to talk about Star Trek, Kate, and I know you do too, but TrekFan is an amazing chance for you to come together with fans to do more than just talk about Star Trek. You can take your love for Star Trek and turn it into something that can help us all move toward that Star Trek future. You'll join forces with your common shared interests to solve puzzles and complete real-life mission objectives. And along the way, you'll win great prizes as well. So support us, support TrekFan by visiting trekfan.org, solve that first puzzle, and take the next step on your adventure. We also wanted to invite you to check out Andrew Allen's album, Smooth Federation. If you like the jazz cover of Where My Heart Will Take Me Here on Warp 5, do you like that, Kate? I love it. It's really, it's really nice, isn't it? Really mellow, laid back. It's really your, smooth. It's smooth. And very relaxing, and it's yeah, it's um, it really is very classy. It's very classy. So if you love that, go check out this album by Andrew Allen. You'll find this cover plus nine other jazz renditions of music from across Star Trek. Go pick it up in iTunes or on Amazon. It's really great stuff by Andrew there. Fantastic album. You're going to love it. And lastly, if you'd personally like to support the network and our programming, there's a way for you to do that as well. Just visit trek.fm slash donate. We have eight new alien-themed badges as a thank you for your contribution that are perfect for your shirt, for your bag, for your dress uniform, or, you know, you could even pin one to Porthos's collar so it can <laughs> flap around as he runs across the field there on Archer 4. There are 44 millimeter badges with original illustration by Toku Ushi, who does most of the art that you see on our website. Those are at trek.fm slash donate, and your donations help us cover the costs of production, storage, and bandwidth needed to bring this programming to you every week. So thanks everyone for listening, and join us again next week here in the Decon Chamber for another episode of Warp 5. <laughs>